Round two, man. Round two. This this uh, anchor app. It's got so many great things, but it's also got so many bad things about it. Yeah, I, this is my first time using the app as well. Oh, well, I've used it several times. It's just that every now and then you get for some reason it just bottoms out on you. So mm-hmm. second time's the charm. But uh, there's a lot going on in the wrestling world this week, and uh, I think the biggest situation going on in all of wrestling throughout the last several days has been the situation with Jordan Miles and WWE. Uh, if you haven't heard by now, uh, everybody, you know, the T-shirt design that they released ended up uh, uh, being more like uh, blackface uh, more than anything else, and he didn't uh, he didn't sit back and let it happen. He, he threw some punches and some haymakers, uh, and from what I've been hearing recently, just through the through the uh, wire, is that he may end up on the chopping block here in the next couple of days. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, either wants to fire him or take away his push. Uh, so I don't really know what's going on with that. But uh, what's your take on that situation, man? My take on the situation is there are things that Jordan Miles was completely right about. That shirt was very insensitive. That shirt was very racist. And I do believe Jordan Miles had the right to call Vince McMahon out on that type of shit because I think he kind of deserved it, really. But there's another part of this entire story, and that's him just calling out a lot of other people. Him himself, ACH, or Jordan Miles, whatever you want to call him, you... He dealt with a lot of stuff in a company that's kind of known, or not just company, a scene that is kind of known for having a backwards reality. In one of the recent tweets, he was talking about a guy named Hunter. A lot of people assume that he was talking about Triple H, but he was talking about the owner of Ring of Honor. Mainly because ROH is kind of known for their shady past as well. So in a way, I think... WWE deserved to be called out, but adding other people to the victim block was just not a very smart move, in my opinion. Yes, yes, ACH deserved to call out WWE on that. Even he said after all of those tweets that he kind of regretted it. But I do believe he had the right to do what he felt was right. He had all the right in the world to do it, and I'm, I'm certainly, especially on the t-shirt deal, I'm certainly on his side, but uh, uh, some of the things he was saying, Jay Lethal, mm-hmm. uh, those were those were just pot shots to me. It was yeah, him uh, taking the rage of frustration, and he said it himself that that stuff really shouldn't have been uh, put out there mm-hmm. for the public to see. It should have been handled in a, a much different way, but for him to um, go out of his way and over a course of about three day span, just target pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really didn't see why he needed to go and do that. Um, but it, it was, he, um, he, he had, uh, he had all the right in the world to do whatever he needed to do. But unfortunately here we are, one of the, top stars in the world today, one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Now he could be under contract to just sit there and not wrestle. And uh, if that's the case, then 
Uh, it's going to be a very, very sad situation uh, moving forward. But Jordan Miles, uh, ACH, Albert Hardy Jr., whatever you know him as, he is um, – and hopefully all this this rain storm, this huge storm that's come about because of this just kind of settles down. Uh, the things that needed to be said have been said, and hopefully uh, change comes from this, but uh, hopefully it doesn't come at the cost of his career. The thing is with ACH is I've always seen him as a very great talent. The dude could work. The dude could fly. He could actually do a good technical bit and be comedy when he needed to be. Mm-hmm. But whenever I saw him first sign with WWE, I knew something was going to go poorly. There is just something that I naturally feel sometimes whenever I watch WWE and I know how they use African-American people. It's very rare that they use them either right or do it somewhat decent. WWE had some decent stories with guys like Montez Ford, his partner, Angelo Dawkins, Kofi Kingston in the New Day. But there's a lot of other wrestlers, such as guys like Shane Strickland, guys who are famous for being wrestlers and being very charismatic, just need the mic skills to really show off. It's like why I think promos are a major thing that need to be showcased a lot on WWE television. And you really don't see that much promos, like defining stories even, to other areas that you really don't see often. It might sound confusing, but... I, 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 I agree with you there. ...that WWE should really focus on promos instead of the actual wrestling, because that is what they're known for. Well, you've got this NXT program uh, tonight, NXT AEW Round 5. And I thought as far as wrestling goes, NXT has beaten AEW in all, in all four weeks up to this point. I think as far as the wrestling goes. Yeah. But as far as the actual programming itself, AEW has built their storylines very well. Mm-hmm. Uh They've had enough good quality action on there to keep an audience enthralled if they're just there to watch wrestling. And you watch NXT, there may be one, in a two-hour show, there may be one segment where there's an interview. There may be one interview segment. The rest of it's all action. Yeah. And that's something where NXT really needs to improve, especially if they're going to be on broadcast television. Because now... Your core audience, which was your network, they are going to tune in and watch, and that's pretty much been their viewership. But mm-hmm. your goal now is to draw in the casual fan, and the casual fan is going to get drawn in from you know, some star power here maybe, but you're, it's also going to be drawn in by promos and the segments and the stories that are being told. Sometimes. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's going to be mostly... you. And this, the best part about NXT to me is that you've got some great characters down there. Uh, Velveteen Dream, Tommaso Ciampa, uh, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole. These are, these are guys that are really, really great talkers. Yeah, and, and Cole is one of the better talkers of that entire roster. Yes, and they, and they rarely get the time. If they get time to talk, it's about maybe, maybe two to three minutes, and it's just – if you click away for one second, it's gone. Yeah. But, you know, just more segments. More segments 
just to build stuff forward. And hopefully that's something that'll come about as mm-hmm. the show continues. But AEW, that's one thing they've been really good at so far. Yeah, showcasing promos is definitely a specialty. Yes. Even some of the promos are a little bit on the longer side, but they're still there, at least. I mean, at least the guys they're having talk are the guys that are the best talkers they have available. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Jericho, uh, Cody, mm-hmm. NJF. If anybody talks, it's the guys who can talk. They're, they're, not, giving the, they're not giving the mic to uh, Brandon Cutler every week and asking him to cut a – Cut a five-minute promo about how about Dungeons and Dragons. No, no, he's not. If he's not a great talker, they're not giving him the mic. Uh, and the, and it, it's like AEW knows their strengths and weaknesses at this point. Um, but to me, tonight could be the uh, could be the most telling night of them all. Even though Game Seven of the World Series is going on tonight, I know that's gonna mess oh, with both shows. Destroy them. Um, but oh. I do know that. AEW faithful and NXT faithful, the core audiences, the people that watch it, that are truly fans, they're going to watch the show. This week's going to be a very telling week for that. Uh, and tomorrow, when the when the uh, ratings come out, it's it's it could be it's it's going to be very telling and seeing if AEW really is truly going to crush NXT moving forward. Uh, I, I honestly really don't care about a lot of this rating stuff. It's like I do pay attention to it just to see if I can relate to it and see if I can find the right way of talking about it in a different variety. In my opinion, right now, the ratings right now, they are at a – they are going down. I think the current recent number was 635,000 or 800. I keep on forgetting which one. But the rating was at a good number. I've seen a lot of people make jokes about their ratings constantly, and it actually literally depresses the living shit out of me because they are just finding another reason to nonstop hate wrestling for really no apparent reason whatsoever. It's like I get, I get it. I get that people love to complain, but they really shouldn't complain about ratings because the ratings doesn't mean the television is actually bad. No. Because there are shows that are absolutely fantastic that get shit ratings. When the ratings tanked in WCW, there was a reason for that. The show sucked. However, NXT and AEW not being able to draw even 1.5 ratings. You know, AEW came the closest, but these programs are actually good shows. Yeah, they Uh, are. They're very good shows. And to me... You know, and Brian Alvarez has said this multiple times. In today's day and age, ratings really don't matter. Uh, ways they don't. Because, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, if you had the highest ratings, then your show was a success in a lot of people's mind. However, in today's day and age, in a world where you can get a WWE network, you can watch AEW's replays on TNT, they, they have replays two or three times before the next week's episode when you can find clips on uh, YouTube and Facebook and all these different social media platforms. That really is a real gauge of your success more so than anything else. To me, you know, the things that matter most is how are you doing at the box office when tickets, uh, when tickets go on sale? How are you selling tickets? How are you moving tickets? 
Uh, and secondly, you know, how how's the roster feel about you? And if the roster thinks it's a sinking ship, you know, it really is a sinking ship a lot of the time. So how how's how is the roster feeling? And and thirdly, it's about pay per view buys. Pay per view buys are extremely important. That's how you're going to make your money. Uh, and AEW when their full gear pay per view comes out on November 9th. You know, how's that buy rate going to be? I I have optimism about it. I do. I just know that a lot of people don't like buying $59 pay-per-views anymore. It's it's become a thing of our culture as we have embraced pretty much every other way of trying to find shows to watch, such as paying for Fight TV for cheaper pay-per-views or pirating it because I know there's a lot of people who do pirate AEW, WWE, or any other type of promotion. I have recently talked about this in other areas, in recent articles even, about this entire thing, that I really do care about the ratings. I do know what AEW wants, but what I really think it should focus on is its core audience, the ones that are buying the tickets for these events. Make sure the crowd is constantly interactive. Make sure the crowd is alive. That is one of the biggest things that AEW has over other wrestling promotions, and that is a better crowd atmosphere. And in general, they actually care. Yes, there is a lot of shit that AEW does, but there is a lot of good that AEW's roster, AEW's uh, audience, actually does really well. The audience for AEW, while everyone says they're marks or makes fun of them for no apparent reason, or sometimes they have it coming, but it, that's another different beast. Yes. But AEW has one of the most interactive audiences there is. I'm going to say that here and now, the most interactive. The crowd goes up for every moment, and I give them that that I give that entire group a massive amount of respect. Because the crowds that you see in WWE, I I, know, I tweeted this even. If you look at crowd members in the crowd in general, you will see in WWE, you won't really see that much happiness. You see a little bit of a smile, but you don't see that much of anything else. In AEW, you actually see that on a weekly basis. I only usually see that fan love, that admiration even, in shows such as WrestleMania or pay-per-views in general. The fact that I get to see that weekly and seeing the fans being happy, not censored, and not really screwed over for not buying a ticket, and even ways even censored, mainly for just, you know, not buying or not bringing AEW shirts and all that type of rumor and nonsense. I always think that AEW is doing something right with their fan base. They are doing something right with showcasing stuff as AEW Dark, which I could go into about how they can increase viewership. But I really want them to focus on trying to focus on their audience. Yeah. Not and their aim drive like the viewership right now. They can focus on that another day. And I think as of right now, they're doing a very good job of doing that. They're scheduling stuff that would make the audience that is going to be paying to see their show in attendance. They're, they're making them happy. And if it happens to draw some viewership, fine, but they're keeping the fans happy at the venue. Mm -hmm. Now I, I went to raw Monday night. I was there live 
it happened to be in St. Louis, and I went to Raw Monday night. And I'll say this: as a as a fan of the product, of I, I like I like WWE a lot. But as a fan, I went in there. I, I was talking to somebody that was helping people find their seats, and he said he's not even allowed to mention Impact Wrestling, or he'll get in trouble. Uh, so superstars and stuff like that, they're not allowed to talk about uh, competitors. They're not allowed to talk about their friends and stuff within the business. It's got to be all WWE. But secondly, during the entire course of the show, twice was there a genuine feeling in the building that something special was happening. And once, it was when Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan came out, the nostalgia factor, biggest pop of the night, WWE let them walk out during the commercial. Mm-hmm. So the if you tuned in on television, you did not see that moment. Mm-hmm. And secondly, show goes off the air, and The Fiend is in attendance. And The Fiend makes his entrance. It's all inspiring It's the best thing they got. Now, are they going to screw that up? We'll, we'll get there when we do the Crown Jewel predictions. Mm-hmm. Are, are they going to screw that up? Probably. But never, you know, like, twice they put a smile on my face at that show. Mm-hmm. Technically three times, but I was laughing at the absurdity of the Lana Rusev divorce court segment. That's I actually have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> that was so stupid. That divorce court segment. You know what? It is very, 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 very stupid, but it actually gained a lot in terms of YouTube viewers. Oh That's yes. Fine. But that video has almost over five million views right now. It is one of the most viewed videos at the moment on their YouTube channel. I knew it was a hit whenever uh Whenever I heard Lana say, "In perverted culture, I know it very, very well." Well, in the arena, when Lana goes, "You know why I left Rusev? He just wanted sex." Everybody in the arena goes, "Yes!" And they're screaming at the top of their lungs. They're screaming at the top of their lungs, chanting. And I, I'm sitting there laughing in hysterics, screaming, "This is a PG product." <laughs> this is a PG. Product. That's perfect. This is this is this is a PG product. This is this is what you're marketing to children. Then she goes, he wanted to impregnate me, and I'm dying even more. <laughs> oh you're telling God. me you left him because he wanted to start a family? No. No, no, that's not it. No, no, no. Bobby Lashley told me he cheated on me. Okay. Oh my god. So now who's Rusev's girlfriend gonna be? Who who's gonna come up from NXT and have to be Rusev's girlfriend? Um, let me think. Let me think. Chelsea or Green. Well, technically that could work, but I'm sure Zack Ryder wouldn't be happy. Yeah, Zack Ryder doesn't get it done anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He won a match on main event this week. Yay. Watch that still? No, I, I, of course, you know, dark match segments that they record main event before Raw. So it was, uh, this week actually had a match I was interested in seeing, uh, believe it or not. Uh, Shelton Benjamin and Tozawa. Good times 100. I mean, it was hor- the match was slow, and it was a main event match if you'd ever seen one. But uh, yeah. it was Tozawa and uh, Shelton, which yeah. I, li- I like both of those guys. Um, so watching them go at it was was really cool. And then uh, 
Eric Young was teaming with Mojo Raleigh for some reason. Well, there's kind of a other reason for that. It's kind of a weird thing. But all of Eric Young's sanity is now doing something else. Yes. Everything. Everyone is. Eric, Alexa Bliss is, uh, not Alexa Bliss, Licky Cross is with Alexa Bliss. Uh, Killian Dane is with, or he's by himself. Uh, not Sawyer Fulton. Sawyer Fulton's an impact. Sawyer Fulton's madman. Alexander Wolf is doing uh, stuff with Imperium, guys of NXT slash NXT UK. Yes, my boys. Yeah. I, I absolutely love the concept of Imperium. And the thing is, I've started to notice something a little bit weird with them. And I, I'm starting to notice that a lot of the members of Imperium represent a lot of the stuff that happened in World War II. Because if you think about it, of a lot of the uh, nationalities, such as one is Germany, and that's Alex, Axel Dietner Jr., or whatever he's called, Marcel Barthel. You got a couple Germans in there. Uh, yeah. Because Alexander Wolf is as well, I think. Yes, and there's also, who is it? Who is it? Uh, is he, uh, I, he's French, or he's Italian. Yeah, he's Italian. And Walter's Austrian. You could have called him the Axis Powers, and it would have been even more. Uh... <laughs> Imagine that. That's practically, that's practically what they are, are they not? Of access, can't even access so wrong. It, well, it is. And, the uh, thing, talking about racism. Yeah, that would have been bad. But uh, mm-hmm. to me, Imperium, the fact that they're all about you know the the mat is sacred. This is a sacred house. This is this is we're here to protect the the uh, we're here to protect this ring. From mm-hmm. the people that are against it, and mm-hmm. now, now here they are, and they're running roughshod over everything. Mm-hmm. However, I'm I'm starting to get scared for Imperium a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily Walter, because Walter's Walter, and he's the man. Mm-hmm. But I start to fear for the other guys in the faction because mm-hmm. I think all the three other members of Imperium. Are the four out of the all four members of Imperium are probably like the top guys in NXT? I, I'd argue to say that they're probably the best wrestlers they got. Um, considering the three of the four of them, uh, Imperium is uh Ringkopf without Thatcher, mm-hmm. and I think that you know Ringkopf was great at Eichner, he adds a little bit more high flying to the, to the equation. Mm-hmm. You got yourself something that works. But I fear now because now they may be in a bit of limbo because the original feud was supposed to be Brizongo and Kushida, and then they go get one more guy and then Imperium, and I felt like that's where they were headed for war games. Mm-hmm. Now I think they're headed for a Undisputed Era war games again, and Keith Lee really kind of, on Twitter this week, he kind of piqued my interest because he's like, I want to take out Undisputed Era. And then Dijakovic came in and said, I'm with you. I'm like, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be Champa, And Gargano. maybe not Gargano, because Gargano's got Balor at TakeOver. Oh, yeah. I think it's Gargano-Balor at TakeOver. That's, but that's it's going to be awesome. And luckily enough, I get to be there live in attendance. So I, I 
it's going to be really good. I, I really believe it. But it's going to be Undisputed Era, and it's probably going to be Champa, uh, Dijakovic, Lee, maybe Matt Riddle. Because Riddle needs something to do at TakeOver. Maybe Matt Riddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, because dreams hurt. Mm-hmm. So, but if it's Matt Riddle, then he'd have to go after the North American title since Champa's going after the world, uh, probably going after the NXT title. Yeah, him and Roddy have such great chemistry, so I wouldn't be surprised if those two have another match. I think it'll be really good, too. And I think I think Matt Riddle, as things stand, he couldn't beat Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, so him going and getting a shot at the North American title, he's been winning matches over the past, course of the last couple of weeks, so I'd be fine with that. I don't even. I see Matt Riddle being a very big mid carder in NXT. I really don't see him going anywhere further because I honestly have never really seen him as world champion material. I've only seen him as a mid card holder. It's weird. But. He's a special talent. However, yes. the to me his gimmick doesn't say main eventer. Yeah, exactly. I've always said that. The thing is, he's a main eventer in a indie independent promotion, and I've always felt that way. Because that's Riddle's personality. That's his gimmick. Yes. Anything more is just, like, especially in the top areas, is like a world champion. I just don't see it. I, I say that constantly because I hear people say, oh, I want Zack Sabre Jr. in WWE. And the thing is, I would rather watch Dirt Dry than watch Zack Sabre Jr. in WWE. Mainly because as much as I love Zack Sabre Jr., he doesn't have that much of a personality to showcase because, if we all know, WWE doesn't like talking about politics that much, and that's literally the one good thing that Zack Sabre is good at talking about. <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr., we got a taste of what Zack Sabre Jr. in WWE would look like, and I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't that impressed. No, His, I, I, I wasn't. He, he the, the, that was it. His matches in the Cruiserweight Classic were about as dull as can be. I, I was just, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see a guy like, um, you saw another guy in the tournament who really wasn't all that great but uh, in the tournament, but now he's NXT UK, uh, Noam Dar. Mm-hmm. He's, ex- he's excelled, but Noam Dar's got a better personality. Yeah, Noam um, Dar's always had a decent personality, always a cocky attitude and always a way to showcase his real talent. He's actually a very talented individual. While he is extremely talented, he needs the perfect person to work with, someone who's technical and someone who can focus on his style and try not to go over 40 minutes. That is Sabre's specialty. Yes, and uh, his matches with Tim Thatcher, obviously that really drives home that point. Uh, But when I look at at guys that I see as top-level WWE names... Mm-hmm. You know, in NXT from the past and, and possibly into the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Lee, mm-hmm. he's Stop. got charisma for days. Oh. Uh, and uh, he's a big guy who can do a lot of stuff that a big guy shouldn't be doing. Yeah. To me, he's a, he, he's a, he's a guy who's going to be a top-level star. Uh, Dijakovic, he's got the size that Vince McMahon's looking for, and mm-hmm. he can move. Uh, maybe work on that personality a little bit, but he's he's got a he's got some mic skills. Yes, he does. Uh, Adam, also, a very dope theme song. Yes, uh, Adam Cole. I don't think we, 
Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, he's gotten so much better since coming to NXT on the mic. Personality-wise, yes, he has a very better personality. Yes, and his wrestling style was already there to me. He's hybrid, and Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of hybrid guys in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, he can actually work very well. Yes, and he can work with anybody. That's something that Kyle O'Reilly really hypes himself on. Uh, Looking from the past of NXT Alistair Black. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ricochet. Really freaking good. Yes. Like Alistair uh, Black, I would, would, I would actually want to see as a main eventer. Mainly because that dude can give you a good match. He can make you fall in love with him very easily due to his personality. Like with his gimmick and everything of being mysterious and wanting to take out absolutely everyone. It's like, I remember talking to one of my wrestling friends, and he said he used to know Alistair Black when he was without tattoos. And I saw pictures of him without tattoos, and oh my lord, that dude does not look the same. He no. looks completely different now, and he looks like a complete badass. It looks like he can take you out with a snap of a finger, with a one or two, or maybe three kicks. <laughs> Alistair Black... Uh what they're doing with him right now is, is criminal on the main roster, but uh, from the rumor mill, looks like he's the guy taking the belt from AJ Styles. So, oh Alistair Black, AJ Styles is on the table. I currently don't watch WWE, but I could definitely say if that would happen, I would watch it. Yes. I, I hazard to say I don't necessarily follow the product as much as I used to, just because yes. I think the product has been extremely dull. Uh, I think dull is a perfect word for it and not bad. No, it's just dull. Like, I I can see if you you watch WWE's product for a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. you start to see the you start to see the repeating angles. Yes. All all of these things just, there's nothing original in the company anymore. And it's not like these are bad ideas. No. But They've They're just been done to death at this point, so mm-hmm. we're looking for something different. Yeah, it's something different, something new. And so here we are. It's like that's why people gravitated to the fiend mm-hmm. because it was completely different to everything that had been going on. And that's why people absolutely loved it. Yes, it's and that glorious. <sighs> It's just, it's just a great, it's a great gimmick. There's a lot of underlying stuff going on behind that gimmick, and we just want to see the story unfold. But, like, I, as I was talking to my brother about it earlier, it's like the second Vince McMahon got his grubby little fingers on it, he screwed it up, mm-hmm. and now we're left hoping and praying that he wins this belt tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't win the belt tomorrow, you can kiss it goodbye. Uh, the fiend is the fiend is just like the Bray Wyatt of old. He says he says all makes all these remarks, and then they all turn out to be false promises. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest issue with Bray Wyatt when he was the cult leader. Bray Wyatt. It was I'm going to say something, you know, but he would never win the feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, any high profile feud, whether that be Cena or whether that be Roman Reigns. Randy Orton, it was always a loss. Yeah. I've always seen Bray Wyatt as a guy who could talk so much, 
but the one of the main things about this entire Fiend gimmick is I've never really seen him have a title around his entire gimmick. Like, I really have never seen it that much. Maybe with the red title, that would look kind of cool, but I've never really seen this new gimmick as something that you need a title for. Something such as, like, Roddy Piper. You don't need a title to look fantastic. You can actually look fantastic and have a decent gimmick going for it. As long as you have a possibly a decent win-loss record and you could actually possibly win matches instead of constantly losing to gain yourself a little bit of a legacy. Like, he doesn't need a title. I completely agree with you there. However, if you were going to put him in this spot, especially after only having one match under this new gimmick. Exactly. One. The The Fiend is a whole different thing. Bray Wyatt in the past, out the window. The Fiend is its own different thing. If you're just going to have one match and then put him in the title picture, he needs to win the title and have a long extended run with it. You don't, you don't get to why, why they did that. I'll never know. I know exactly why they did it. Drew McIntyre got hurt. So they panicked and they picked the hottest thing. Mm -hmm. And now here we are booked into a corner because now there's only two outcomes that can happen at crown jewel. Now Mm -hmm. either Seth Rollins is going to pin the fiend Mm -hmm. or the fiend is going to beat Seth Rollins and take the belt to SmackDown. Yeah. Now, I said something that I think would actually work. Kane Velasquez is not signed to a brand. Mm-hmm. They want to keep him with Rey Mysterio. Well, Rey Mysterio got drafted to Raw. Mm-hmm. So my thought is this. Why not have Kane Velasquez win the WWE title? I'm not saying it's a great idea. No, it ain't. <laughs> it is not a, it's not a great idea, but just, just to keep the Fiend as the Fiend... You know, you have Cain Velasquez take the WWE title to Raw. He doesn't have to keep it very long, but he takes the WWE title to Raw. And Bray Wyatt takes the Universal title to SmackDown. Cain Velasquez signs with Raw, and SmackDown gets the Universal title. If it goes to something like SmackDown, I think the title should be completely uh, remade into SmackDown's image. Because a red belt on a, a blue brand would just be kind of freaking odd. I agree with that, and I think they will make this trap at the very least blue, um, which will probably look – oh, that'll look even worse. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got to book your way out of a corner, and unfortunately to me, I think that the finish of that match tomorrow is going to be the exact same finish we got Monday night mm-hmm. in which Bray Wyatt's going to get pinned under a forklift. Yeah. And, I, again, I was there live. The second I saw that forklift, I knew it was going to be the finish. Mm-hmm. So if we get to if we get to Crown Jewel and we see a forklift back there or any any kind of big object like that, mm-hmm. you know what the finish is going to be. Yeah. As I said, I haven't watched the product in what? Let me see, five, maybe six months. I didn't even watch SummerSlam, man. I I focus on other stuff that I really enjoy, such as wrestling. Yes. Or such as the many promotions that I end up do watching. <laughs> like uh, Glory Pro Wrestling uh, is about the only thing that I watch that is to me that I follow regularly. Like yeah. I wait with anticipation to watch their programming. And it's yeah. because I know what I'm going to get with every show. There's going to be just enough. There's going to be just enough talking and just enough segments to build to their next show. 
I know exactly yeah. what I'm going to get from it. And I watch AEW on a weekly basis. I will say this. There's a lot. I will watch the show and I will think hmm, some of this stuff is just eh. But the yeah. stuff that's really good, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, it's introduced me to guys like the uh, Street Profits Light and, uh, you know, uh, Private Party. But Private Party, to me, is like the best part of their programming at the moment uh, yeah. to go along with uh, Lucha Bros. Uh, the tag division's amazing. The tag division is actually one of the better parts of the programming. It's a lot better than their women's division, mainly because the women's division does have a lot of weak competitors. Even yes. though I do, I do love many women in that division. They're just over pushing women like Britt Baker. Absolutely, I agree. I agree that she is a good super kick and a good cutter. But Jesus Christ, I can only deal with her saying, "I'm a dentist" for so long until. I start losing my damn marbles. When you've got women like uh, Allie, uh, Sadie Gibbs, Sadie uh, Gibbs yes. um, you've got women like uh, Emmy Sakura. Yeah, it's Sakura. You can't, uh, they can't even get spots on their television program. Also, I got a question for you. Yeah. Remember how they said wins and losses matter? Yes. Well, the reports that have been coming in is that at full gear, uh, Riho. <laughs> will be defending her women's title against any Sakura, who is one and two. Oh, my God. That's depressing. And that's what, that's what you get when you get... Uh, that's what you get when you are stupid and do win-loss records. Yeah. Because the second you stop paying attention to those win-loss records, much like the Jimmy Havoc-Darby Allen match from a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. that was a number one contenders match, even though Pac... And uh, even though Pac and John Moxley were both two and zero, I think, or at least they had wins mm-hmm. under their belt. Uh, Pac definitely two and zero with wins over Hangman Page and uh, Kenny Omega. He was yeah. left off that show. He didn't even get a shot. Yeah, I find that weird. But Darby Allen, who in reality Darby Allen had a gripe, he went to a time limit draw with the number one contender. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy Havoc had won one match. Yeah. Um, you got a guy like Jungle Boy who is now 0-5. Jesus, really? I didn't he, even know it was that low. Jungle Boy and the Jurassic Express have not won a match yet. And thus, people still complain about them. I'm that kind of I, I, I love the Jurassic Express. They're excellent. However, how could, if win-loss records matter, how are you going to Like, if they end up getting a title shot, like, if they beat, say they beat Dark Order or they beat Best Friends and they go after the Lucha Bros whenever Luchasaurus gets healthy or SCU for that matter, if their win-loss record is less than 500, how are you going to be able to say, oh, they deserve this title match? You know, we're going to put you on our pay-per-view. If you're going to portray yourself as a true sport and say that win-loss records matter, then you can't have people that don't have good win-loss records getting title shots. For that entire thing with Emi Sakura and Riho, I honestly believe that is a just a small area to what is going to be the Brick Baker and B Priestley feud. That is the one thing I see coming a very big mile away. Even though I absolutely despise B Priestley, I know the feud is coming. I can just sense it. And another feud that they're kind of hitting at is Brandy Rhodes 
in Jamie Hater. Hater, or whatever you want to call her. And the feuds that they're setting up are really, really disappointing to me. They're weak. Women, Allie should be involved. Like, Allie versus Jamie Hater, I would be into that. That would be a very decent feud. But Brandy Rhodes does not interest me whatsoever. I mean, why in the world is Penelope Ford even on their broadcast or on their roster if she ain't going to wrestle more than maybe once every four weeks? Mm-hmm. You know, I got this. Uh, you've got Joey Janela. Mm-hmm. He's worked a couple of dark episodes, mm-hmm. but he's great. Where, 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 why is he not on the television more? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a guy like... Uh, it's good to see Darby Allen on television. Yeah, Darby Allen's good for television, to be honest. Good to see MJF on television. Both of those guys are really good. However, where are some of these other young talents you brought in? Jungle Boy's been featured once. He lost. You know, you got uh, Angelico and Jack Evans. Luckily enough, they're on tonight's episode with Kip Sabian, who's another guy who hasn't been featured very much. I think that's one of the best parts about AEW Dark, to be honest. That is the show raise a talent that often doesn't get booked. And yes. there are dark even. That is the one thing I will give them credit for. AEW Dark is really watchable television, especially how much wrestling they had in one episode. They usually have three matches, and they still showcase a lot of promos without commercials. And I give AEW so much love for that, mainly because they are really focusing on giving the YouTube fan base what they want, and that is more wrestling. Yes. Such as YouTube that absolutely despises wrestling. When I, I heard that. the uh, AEW Dark concept, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, that's brilliant. Because when I heard they were doing Shima and mm-hmm. uh, Darby Allen as one of their dark matches, I was like, man, I want to see that. And then they announced, well, you know what, we're, we actually tape all our dark matches and we're going to put them on YouTube every week. I'm like, yes. yes that is exactly what you need to do. That's the best part. It doesn't seem like a very, very complicated process. People still do it, and it really bothers me that they don't even acknowledge dark matches. But the fact that they're starting to do these dark matches is a very good thing. Yes. But there's also one small thing they have to worry about, and that is, as you mentioned, the win-loss record. It carries into AEW Dark, which means they have to really focus on every single match that they do. Yes, and there lies the biggest issue with I th- that I think is going to befall AEW in the long run is that the win-loss records, if they want to enforce them and make them matter, mm-hmm. then somebody's going to have to keep track of all of that. And I just don't think they have anybody there, especially considering most everybody who runs it is a worker. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have anybody there who's going to keep track of that and is going to be able to sit in a creative meeting and say, well, you know, the top contender to Chris Jericho based on win-loss record should really be Kip Sabian because he's like three and one. Mm -hmm. But Kip Sabian isn't a big enough star. Mm -hmm. So the next challenger to Chris Jericho is actually going to be Kenny Omega. And uh, he's he's lost his two biggest matches in AEW. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the money match. So he has to be he has to be the next contender. Uh, to me, the next contender should really be uh, either Pac or John Moxley, but I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
I'm also not a big fan of the fact that they had Sean Spears come in only to lose a couple of big matches. And now, uh, where does Sean Spears go? Um, I think Sean Spears is one of their more underrated talents in terms of personality and in terms of gimmick. He has uh, his the Blanchard on his side, and that is a very big thing for a person to have, a decent manager. Also, managers are borderline underrated. I don't care what anyone says, but managers help careers more than actually hurt them. A and good I manager just, yeah, can manager. provide personality to a wrestler who doesn't have a lot. Uh, just yeah. go back to uh, the days where Bobby Heenan, Mr. Fuji, all those guys. Yokozuna, he wasn't a great big personality, but Mr. Fuji added, ten t- added so much to the character. And then when he joined up with Owen Hart, Jim Cornette added so much to that. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, it, a manager adds a lot to a gimmick. Uh, you know, when you take a look at guys today like uh, Stokely Hathaway. Uh, Hathaway is a very great manager when he has yes. appropriate talent. I believe he would be perfect for managing a woman, to be honest. I can see it completely going very well. For some I think reason, he could be very good with that, too. Much like Zelina Vega is perfect for managing Andrade. Yes, perfect. It's like you, certain people are just suited for certain things. That's how it is. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Stokely – Stokely was very good when, we, when he was with Moose in Ring of mm-hmm. Honor. Uh, I think him managing a big man, he doesn't need to, but mm-hmm. him and Keith Lee would probably be a really good combination, just pointing oh. that out. But really, Keith Lee doesn't need a manager. He has no. the skills. And there were guys in the there were guys back in the days who didn't need managers. Uh, mm-hmm. It just added it just added an extra depth to their character. Uh, mm-hmm. Rick Rude, uh, for example, uh, he was managed by Bobby Heenan, and then he was managed by uh, Paulie Dangerously in WCW. He didn't need a manager, but it no. just added so much to it. Yeah. Um, now managers managers nowadays, nowadays are mostly used as mouthpieces. Yeah. I understand why, because a lot of these guys in the business today, this is a work rate. This is a work rate business, and a lot of the work rate wrestlers can't talk. Yeah, that's one of the biggest problems going in. Um, and that's a big problem, especially in a climate such as WWE, a promotion that's famous for talking. They have the best. WWE is the place where with the best personalities, and luckily yeah. enough, they have a guy on their roster who's probably should be this this day and age is Stone Cold and Kevin Owens, but uh, they never use him properly. Uh, same with Sammy. Sammy, Sammy Zayn, Kevin Owens should be this generation's Rock Austin, but that's not going to happen. Uh, they they uh, are run by a guy who insists on having somebody guy. like Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm be a featured star on his programming when in reality in today's day and age if he took if he took Baron Corbin off television nobody would bat an eye and if he featured somebody like Chad Gable not Shorty G Chad Gable if he featured somebody like Chad Gable in a prominent position under the name Chad Gable people would be happy mm-hmm. but instead we're stuck with a guy we're stuck with this gimmick of Chad Gable coming out of Shorty G being a reject middle school basketball player in his new crappy gear. And Ooh. you got guys like Kofi who get absolutely buried in seven Ooh. seconds to lose this 
miraculous championship reign of his. The time, the time of that match still bothers me because Kofi went she with uh, Brock Lesnar at their Tokyo show in 2015. They won for like what nine or ten minutes. Yeah, and we just got a seven minute match, which was really depressing. The seven seconds really bothered me for that simple reason. It's not the fact that I was not okay with Kofi losing. I was all, I was okay with it. I just wanted to see the match go on for a little bit longer. I knew Kofi was losing the belt. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody in their right mind thought Kofi was going to beat Brock Lesnar. However, why, after six months of him beating the likes of Samoa Joe and Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan, did you all of a sudden decide, oh, seven seconds is the right way to go? Mm-hmm. And... All you did in turn, you didn't just bury Kofi with that. You made Samoa Joe look bad. You made Randy Orton look bad. But neither of those guys are going to end up being any worse because they'll come back and they'll be destroying people. Mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever Joe gets back, he'll be back to being the destroyer. And whenever and Orton is Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. But Kofi... Kofi was doing the New Day thing, but he was a serious champion for all intents and purposes. You know, he knew how to be serious when he needed to be serious. Now he's back to being a goof. Yeah, that doesn't help. And I'm like, WWE, this is how you're going to treat the guy who literally is the only reason WrestleMania had anything worth watching this year. One of the major reasons, yeah. You know, the women's main event, it was supposed to be a draw. Mm-hmm. It didn't draw my interest. I will say this, that was one of the weaker WrestleMania builds for a main event in years. Yeah, and I know how much they get at the first ever women's main event at WrestleMania, but it honestly didn't feel that way. There felt like a lot of forced area into that feud of Becky Lynch, uh Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. I had to think about it. Yes. Really did not like that match. And I really didn't like that feud, mainly because it really screwed up Asuka for a little bit. And their second title was honestly one of the worst decisions for it. You could have just had a a triple threat match with the entire concept of being Charlotte always getting involved. With the same concept being... Becky Lynch winning the world title at that show. But the thing is, they made it very, very, very predictable, in fact. They made her win at uh, Royal Rumble. The same thing with Seth Rollins. It's where we knew a lot of these results were going to happen. And has an overlying WWE's problem with predictability. And one of the main reasons people leave that product is because of the predictability of some of their programming. I was one of their people that left because of that, because the predictability was getting really bad. Maybe I knew following things a mile away. Yes. 95% of the time I can call what's going to happen at a pay-per-view three mm-hmm. weeks before the pay-per-view even happens. And that's a very bad thing. Yeah. It's a bad thing. Um, completely okay with predictability, such as something like new Japan or yes. Japan or Noah or something with Puro in it. But the thing is, 
that is a very different concept. Those are matches that you want to watch, like matches that are going to gain your interest and give you something borderline fantastic. With the matches, same old format. Guy goes to the ropes, get a rope, or uh, gets sweat. It's very predictable. I'm okay with pins and losses and all that type of stuff, but when it comes to DQs, DQs should never be a major thing, especially in pay-per-views. Only should really happen if it's a few in the long run. And I honestly don't see the as uh, Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins be a few. I think this entire feud that grounds with Seth Rollins winning the Universal title or retaining it even, and going to feud with, I'm guessing, Brock Lesnar for their next encounter. Uh, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. However, I hate, I hate that. What have we seen? Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins four times this year already? It's been Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar. Do I have to see it again? No. To me, to me, to me, well, I, if they do that for Survivor Series, I have to see it again because I'll be there live. Uh, mm-hmm. But to me, the biggest money draw that they had in their company was the Demon versus the Fiend. Mm-hmm. And they set it up so well. Mm-hmm. He killed. He killed Finn Balor. He killed Finn Balor the human. Yeah. So Finn Balor went away, and the perfect deal to me would have been the main event of WrestleMania on the biggest stage possible: the Demon versus the Fiend. Mm-hmm. Now Finn Balor going back to NXT, fantastic move. Very, very. The most unpredictable thing WWE's done, arguably in years, was the weeks. Finn Balor heel turn. Yeah. I'd say weeks, uh, but me personally. Well, surprising, Cain Velasquez, I knew he was coming in. Um, yeah. I, I, I would at least say months, because the Fiend's reveal was pretty unexpected. Yeah. Uh, but... Balor turning heel, that, that, that was completely unexpected. Yeah. And him versus uh, Johnny Gargano should be a good match in terms of getting the fans involved with it. Because Finn Balor, as a heel, when he was known as Prince Devitt, for example, was yes. a very, very conniving heel. A guy who used to bully announcers and bully everyone around him just to prove a point. I really think if they could, like Finn Balor could be the big mouthpiece that the Undisputed Era really needed whenever it comes to the bullying concept of bullying announcers making everyone's lives hell based on the old Bullet Club roots, such as bringing in guys like Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows all the way down to NXT to give NXT a gigantic faction that would actually do something for their programming. Not win titles, for example, but like just to cause hell. Yes, be there. Be popular. Uh, you know, they're, they're, st- they're stars. They're mega yeah. stars. Carl uh, Anderson is a star. I don't care what anyone says. Carl Anderson is a star. That man can do so much for other companies that him in WWE is just a waste, in my opinion. He could go back to New Japan and become a star, mainly because I've seen him do that much stuff to become that star. 
his matches with Okada was one of the biggest examples of him working as a great singles competitor. And the fact that he hasn't been able to showcase that much is one of the biggest things that really is missing from a lot of those guys' work. I like, agree. Lou Gallows is a tag team worker. I will always see him as that. But Carl Anderson is a full-bred singles competitor, and he could do well, especially if he ever left WWE, to pursue work in Impact, and not Impact, uh, New Japan once again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Carl Anderson was the first Gaijin to make the final of the G1, was he not? Yes, he was, was the, the, first, the first American. Yes, he was, he was the first one in about like 10 years, I think, and he was actually facing off against one of their stars that was very underrated at the time, and that was their next big guy, Kazuchika Okada. Yes. Kazuchika Okada and Carl Anderson was the 2012 G1 final, and the thing is, that match was mixed for both of them, and that's mainly because this was before Bullet Club. This was before a lot of the main things that came in for Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson was making waves in the singles division for New Japan. And Carl Anderson could work with a lot of the best guys. For example, his match with Okada at the G1 final was good. But another thing that a lot of people don't really notice is the fact that he can do these long singles matches. Stuff that like, like Kenny Omega was famous for. Yeah. Like, did went into a feud with guys like uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. There was a match that they had a couple years ago at uh, the new beginning, I think it was 2012, and that match was absolutely, fa- not 2012, uh, 2013, and it was absolutely fantastic. Those two could work, and the crowd was mixed for both of them, and they loved both of them. And that's saying something because Carl Anderson was really a, a top gaijin over there, and he, was, he could do something for them. He could be a singles competitor. So if like he ever left and went to New Japan, he could definitely get involved with the U.S. title and be one of their top stars there for him. Oh, I absolutely agree. Uh, Carl Anderson, to me, I heard he signed with WWE, but it's like the moment I knew I heard Gallows and Anderson, I was like, he's not going to be able to showcase anything outside mm-hmm. of just being a great tag guy, which he is. That tag team is amazing. Yeah. But I know Carl Anderson can do more. I remember the first singles match I ever saw from Carl Anderson was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was him and ACH whenever Ring of Honor was going to crown a new world champion. And uh, this was when Cole was getting ready for his heel turn. They had stripped Jay Jay Briscoe, and now it was setting up for and gearing up for, uh, it was a first-round match. It was ACH and Carl Anderson, and they went a good 20 minutes on Ring of Honor television. I'm like, Yep. Both of these guys are stars. Mm-hmm. And Carl Anderson specifically, mm-hmm. I was very impressed with. And now Carl Anderson is in better shape than he's ever been in. Mm-hmm. And he has and to, he's, he, Yeah. And now he's relegated to being the job guy behind AJ Styles. Yeah, and I find that kind of sad, really. I want this faction to end with Carl mm-hmm. Anderson turning on AJ. Yes, that's a perfect not, idea for it. Not the, uh, I, I'm not talking Gallows and Anderson turning. I'm talking Carl Anderson himself turning. Yeah. Because it's it's time for Carl Anderson to get his due. 
Yeah, because the dude could actually talk. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't really know about Carl, and that's the fact that he can talk. He can work. He was one of the leaders of Bullet Club. He could talk with the crowd, and he never really got the area to showcase that. It's like why Carl Anderson should just be left alone and getting ready for another concept and try to get up and start turning on other people and possibly start winning and that type of thing. Like, if one of the guys got released, such as someone like TM61 and, uh, like, only Shane Thorne, for example. Shane Thorne is just by himself in NXT now without his uh, partner, Nick, uh, Mikey Nichols, who's in New Japan right now. Something like that. Like, if Luke Gallows ever went to retire and Carl Anderson was a singles competitor, that would be the only way it could actually happen because he hasn't really showcased any area of a potential new partner. It's why nope. I honestly see him becoming a singles competitor. And I think he's the perfect guy. Uh, there's a handful of guys on the roster that I'd really like to see just be singles guys. Uh, for for that matter, you know, you got Anderson. Uh, take your pick with Hanson and uh, Rowe. Hanson. <laughs> I mean, I, I like them both. I like them uh, Rowe doesn't really show his personality. No, Hanson's Hanson's better personality wise, and I think that's why eventually he'll be more successful. Yeah, uh, Raymond Rowe becomes the Marty Jannetty of the group. Yes, uh, Montez Ford. Montez He's... Ford is going to be the main guy of that group against Angelo Dawkins. Really doesn't have that personality. Nah. What that... brings what brings the personality out of Angelo Dawkins is being with Montez Ford. Exactly. Not not the other way around. Uh, and Montez Ford has the prettiest frog splash in the game. Oh, uh, so I, I actually say yes. It's in the top five. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Uh, there's all there's frog splashes like uh, such as you know high fly flow and five the five star frog splash that are still awe inspiring to this day. Uh, but like as far as new guys stepping up. I, I, I can't really name somebody else in the business right now who gets that amount of height on his frog splash. Yeah. Uh, he's just hyper-athletic. Um, Can I just note something? Yes. Uh, this entire podcast is labeled the Wrestling Amino Podcast, all things WA, right? Yes. <laughs> and I'm surprised we haven't really talked that much about WA yet. I mean, I just, Trying to branch out into different things. I, I did say we would sprinkle uh, real-world wrestling in there, but uh, uh, one thing about WA as things stand right now, you know, is well, what's going on with the league scene recently? And, you know, I, I've enjoyed that there's a lot of new leagues stepping up. Yeah, but, definitely. you know, as, as things stand, you know, we had a good rhythm going there, you know. Starbound was put, put out a show. Uh, NGW, I would put out a show uh, not too long before or after that. Uh, and then Titanfalls were putting out weeklies. Uh, Give you Matt respect to Titanfall for that type of thing. That is something to be admired. Yes, by, by far. And they've done a really good job of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed everything they've been doing. I'm not uh, a guy who pays attention to the league scene, even though I am part of a few leagues. I do care about the concept of characters, such as my character, uh, Haimator Takahashi. Of course. He is something that I pride myself of trying to make better. And the recent angle that I'm doing with him 
really showcases an area of something I would love to bring into actual wrestling, and that is a different type of a multi-personality type of thing. And I think that would be kind of a cool thing, and that's one of my main goals with Heimser Takahashi, is to showcase that character before it actually becomes a reality. And that's a good thing. Uh, I think Wrestling Amino is a great place to mm-hmm. practice your characters. Yeah, uh, if you, if you want to go into the wrestling business, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want to help you know refine yourself in this area? It's yeah. a great place to refine a character you might want to use in the outside world. Mm-hmm. So, I'd say Amino's doing great stuff mm-hmm. in that regard. Uh, but uh, in it's the just league, one of those. Yes, in itself, it doesn't really feature a lot of areas of. Or potential redemption, even. There are a lot of great leagues, leagues such as Platinum Mage Wrestling, leagues such as Titanfall, as you mentioned, leagues such as, uh, I was talking about this recently in a comment on a post that Pyrock, or Pyrock, whatever you, however you say his name, he was talking about the league scene, and I wrote a comment that a lot of the best leagues that were in this year are now gone. Such leagues as AIM, TGW, ran by William and Mark, and those leagues are gone now. Those were two of the top leagues, but right now, BOTB stands at the very top. But under it, it would be like maybe something like Kojo. Or, yeah, I think it's Kojo. Yeah, that's the guy. Yes. Like, in terms of potential area, another league that's a really good one is Ultimate Muscle. Ultimate Muscle is a nice pearl league that actually showcases a lot of good in-ring action, something that really should be focused on that more often. But there is also one overlying problem with this entire thing, and that is the fact that so much of it doesn't really showcase around the blogging potential that so many of the users of Wrestling Amino are known for. Many leagues in Wrestling Amino are based around either promos or booking, which I have no problem with if only they could actually start acknowledging blogging a little bit more. That is one of my biggest gripes against the entire league scene in general, and that is the fact that they care so much about promos, stuff that doesn't get featured at all, and it really kills the potential of doing a blogging league. It really just kills the idea to just do a promo. I love promos. They're good, but blogging is what WA is famous for. It's what it should be known for. It shouldn't be just sat over there just waiting for a community event where only a couple people will participate in. And those are the people that blog anyways. Uh... Yes. There are genuine good bloggers. I remember in the glory days of 2015, I don't believe I'm saying that because I hate saying the word of glory days, but guys like Bali... The guys like uh, JT, who you know, I compare him to now. Guys like Tool, because Tool is honestly one of the best bloggers I freaking know. Oh, yeah. Honestly, the best blogger I know, especially because of the consistency. Uh, guys like uh, DJ, he does consistent reviews. And then there's also guys like me, who has kind of made his name known for doing that type of stuff. But the thing is... I only did those blogs. So was, I am a guy who posted 180 blogs in one year, and that was last year. And the thing is, I didn't even do that for any weeks. I did that because I love it. 
but I lost a lot of motivation to write. I lost so much motivation to write on this app because there's nothing to showcase new ideas. Camzo's thing that he does, it's called the World Blogging League. It was a little competition that recently died down. But, oh, my God, that showcases blogging potential, giving people actual topics to talk about. That's the stuff I want to see, stuff that actually gives you ideas, gives you cooperation to actually post more blogs and not just overlapping league shows because not everyone on Wrestling Amino wants to look at league shows. Some people actually want to see genuine blogs. And I absolutely want that for the app. And I want to give back to that. That's why I constantly work with Tool. That's why I constantly work with DJ to make sure that everything keeps on going for the long run. And why I want to make sure that 2020 is the defining year of Wrestling Amino. I said that 2019 was going to be it, but I was wrong. Because this year was a really big downfall in terms of overall activity on the app. And half of it is my fault. I will blame myself on that. But I want this app to be having a future, and it doesn't need to be promoted through Twitter constantly. I will say that Twitter is not the future of that app. It is not the future. That community will turn on us as soon as I can, and I will always get harassed by Lova and other previous band members. But I want the app to be famous for what it's known for, stuff as uh, blogs, such as promos, such as league shows, such as chat rooms, such as interaction, such as everything else, because Wrestling Amino is not an app that tries to focus on niche trends. It's an app that talks about wrestling. Yes. And wrestling alone. That, that, when, I, when I discovered Amino, the whole draw to me was... I get to talk about wrestling with people who actually like wrestling. I don't have to explain for 20 minutes what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's something that I, that, that's the kind of concept that I really enjoyed with it. Um, now I know that, you know, especially with this podcast and then uh, also the sponsorship for uh, glory pro recently, you know, I'm just as invested in trying to get this app some growth as you are, you know, and uh, because I, I enjoy this community and I don't want to see it die out. But I remember back when we had 200 to 300 members on at a time and now we can barely get 100 if we're lucky. In ways, I'm, I'm not going to name call anyone in this entire thing, but I do believe that some of the CNL really should be doing stuff whenever it comes to uh, push notifications. Push notifications are very important for this app, and it really gives you an idea. It's like whenever you get a notification on your phone for a wrestling amino, it is a push notification. It is a push notification that is designed for the wrestling amino CNL team to let you know that there is a post that you really should be able to check out. And the thing is, there's not a lot of news posts that actually do that, mainly because the CNL does not really push blocks. And I actually give them a lot of respect for that, mainly because there is an app called Wrestling Amino Espanol, which is a Spanish app, and it really hammers it all out of the park with push notifications, and it's one of the reasons that app is literally almost dead. That app has like 20 members sometimes only, and it's really sad because there are people that are genuinely blogging over there, and they're doing it for so little. 
Yeah, and therein lies therein lies the problem right there. Yeah, there's a happy medium with everything in life. Um, but I think, and I, I, I think I said this on the, uh, she just hit the hurt stone. Oh, my Lord. Oh, Candace, uh, I'm watching NXT as we speak. Uh, but uh, I, uh, you know, one thing about the blogging league concept, I think something that is big about that and why people don't want to do it as much anymore is because Evo, Evo was the blogging league. Yeah. And once it died, I think there's a good amount of people that thought, well, you know, we're not going to be able to beat it. So why should we even try? It, it's like what happened with uh, his his next league, Jason and DJ's next league, Unified. And the thing is, Unified was a good league. It gave me potential to write stuff that I really wanted to talk about. It really gave me an area to showcase Northeast Wrestling a little bit more. But the thing is, the concept was still the same. That was one of the biggest problems with Evo and Unified is the fact that it, it was always the same old material, that there wasn't really an area to showcase potential redemption or a potential area for more stuff to go on. As much as I love Evo, it was my very first league, but I I never really thought that Unified was going to be a major success. Never really thought it. It's like, it was the same idea. It's just that stuff never works. It never does. Yeah. You, you, the bigger... you go ahead. Like at least I currently run a league that that I'm kind of screwed up completely. A league called Women's Wrestling Transformation. It is a blogging league. And I haven't really posted on the account in over two months. And I am legit scared shitless, mainly because I don't really I have a lot of paranoia on how that league will go. It's like I know the league could go good, and I also know the league could go really bad. I know I should be able to post it and get the next one out. The thing is, I do a lot of stuff for this community. I'm not trying to sound like an asshole, because I kind of am, but I love this community, and I want to be able to give it its amount of content that it deserves. I want to be able to do WA questions. I want to be able to do these mini-series, such as the G1 Climax Simulation Project. Because I like to giving back to the community. I do. I just am not motivated. I've lost a lot of motivation on this app. And there's a big thing here. Me and Tool were supposed to upload a recent episode of uh, the AEW Dynamite Reviews. But the thing is, he gave me a lot of his details and he stopped doing it and towards the very end of it. We, since we completely forgot about it and he was going to Bound for Glory literally the next day. And I was just saying to myself, I should just forget about it. It's like, it's really sad that the motivation is completely lost to me. And the only way to really regain that motivation is through a league or an event. It's like community events are one of the other reasons that WA really suffers. And I do blame myself for that because my main idea was to give more community events. And a lot of things is, even you know personally, because you're in that chat room and I really don't mind talking about it, yeah. is that there is a group of people on Wrestling Amino that is dedicated to the future of this app, dedicated to the ideas of the future. And my ideas that I brought to the table were a very good idea. It's just I don't have the motivation to actually do them. 
not when I first did it. Before you came along into that group, I had the motivation for the idea of trying to bring Wrestling Amino back to its actual glory. Not yes. glory days, because the term glory days is very stupid. It is a very stupid term that is used by part-timers such as Chris, such as Peg, such as... Uh, there's a third one. I just can't place them. But I want to bring this wrestling meal back to its days of glory. I want to bring it to its glory. I want to. That is my goal in this entire apps, period. And yes, while I am doing other work outside of wrestling amino, I want to be able to bring wrestling amino to that area. I want wrestling amino to be talked about. And I believe right now the community is one of the most neutral periods it has ever been in with new bloggers on the rise, such as Siri, uh, such as, uh, there's a lot of people, but I can only think of Siri right now, sadly. Off the top of your head, that's it. You know, it happens. (laughs) (laughs) Only so much room in the brain. Oh, Siri, Merck. Merck is another one. Oh, yes, of course, Merck. Merck's the man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that uh, if Wrestling Amino as a platform, if we can get some more blogs out there, uh, more podcasts even, for that matter. Go ahead. I think podcasts are good for the app, but we also have to realize that uh, Wrestling Amino features, uh, not features, pins three articles at a time. Yes. And because of this, with three articles at a time, uh, there is a lot of areas to be overlapping. For example, whenever I upload a, I uploaded a recent episode of the WA Questions, and it is a series that I do, which gives uh, the community more talking about other topics that are not wrestling amino related, but just ability to just talk about everything that that's on their mind. Of course, because I think uh, community interaction is one of the more important things of wrestling amino and i think it's something that it's a defining feature of it even and the fact that wrestling amino is becoming an area where there's where pirate is giving back to the community of doing these takes and everything it's inspiring other people to talk about their opinions and no longer hide their opinions and i think that's a very good thing and it's a very underrated feature of wrestling amino mainly because this community as much as i love wrestling amino as a whole there are a few bad eggs and a lot of it is due to the fact that they can't really release their opinions on things. I think a lot of people are opinionated. I do believe that some people do hide their opinions to not just become bigoted even. But I do think you should be able to give your opinion on something on Wrestling Amino and not get called out on it unless it's for the right reason. If you want to be a civil... I, I, I believe that if you want to be a civil if you want to have a civil conversation with somebody about, about the opinions and your differing opinions, by all means, uh, you know, but don't attack people for their opinions. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that, that's a horrible thing. Yeah. I know people like that. I was with a group for a few months that were kind of world renowned for keeping their opinions to themselves, even though they said to themselves that they're a opinion zone. Even though I literally, I absolutely dislike Hulk Hogan. And they call me out and ask me why. 
and I gave them a legit reason for, for why I dislike him. I mean, there's a very good reason why you should not like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, that's... I have plenty of reasons. The thing is, I will always get called out by those guys. A lot of them are, what's the term, old-fashioned. Yes. In fact, I took the guys in that I like them, decent people. But the thing is, a lot of those people are known for the drama of wrestling amino. And it's kind of really a bad thing because wrestling amino is an area that has been out a big drama period for a little while now. Mainly because you notice a lot of the most hated of this app are gone now. I've yes. guys like guys uh, it's the other guys uh, and Sombra Guys like, uh, God, I can't even think of how many. I'm, I'm even on the CNL team, and I really don't know that much. <laughs> there are many, many, many people. Oh, there's definitely many, 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 many people. And the thing is, I absolutely think that WA is in a neutral period because there's no longer straight-out bigoting. I mean, no more straight-out bigots in talking, uh, giving people swears and telling people to fuck off and say you're gay or something like that. It's it's no longer that way. Yeah. Well, but maybe a, a, maybe it's just not from Gage. Mainly because he just says you're gay regardless. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But as much as I love the community, it's an area that showcases potential redemption. It's a calm period, and I love that about this app right now. And the one thing that Wrestling Amino was famous for in its glory days was its majorly famous drama. And now the drama is gone. And I absolutely love that. But because of that, the activity is slowly diminished because there's not a lot of drama. It's like whenever that show-off drama happened about a year and a half ago, I think it was a year and a half ago now, gained a lot of activity and it brought a lot of people back through the loophole or something. And it, it was really depressing seeing Showoff leave the group, but he eventually did come back and eventually got some shit done. Well, yes. I just... Uh, drama helps, but ultimately drama yeah. drama will never be a... Uh, it'll, it'll, not, it'll never be able to just you know, ultimately help in the way that we we think it needs to be able to help. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, drama is only a stopgap, mm-hmm. and uh, there's been a lot of it over the course of the last several years. Mm-hmm. That was famous for yeah, we know. <laughs> I, I, I I've been present for a lot of it, yeah. uh, but you know, ultimately, it can't be the answer to the problem. No, because can't. if people it's, if people just want to see drama. They ain't going to stick around once the drama's over. And just go to YouTube because that's where it's infinite. Yes, you can go watch H3H3 or uh, whatever the heck you want to call them. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a lot, a lot of stupidity over there. YouTube is a hive mind of that type of stuff. And I know it personally because I was a YouTuber. <laughs> well, you know, there's good people on YouTube. Definitely, uh, but, there but is there's a lot of bad. A lot of bad. Too much bad to make it 
consistently good. There's not a lot of good creators anymore since a lot of people are leaving the platform for other platforms. Yes. And uh, it, that's, that's on YouTube. But that's why I want to – that's what that's part of the reason that I want this platform to be successful because it would be, it, it would be a great place for people to go. And be, uh, I, I love the app with all my being, but my job as social manager, it really should be given to someone else. I'm going to say that right here and right now. I don't care who listens to this. I would give my social manager, I would give the Twitter account to someone else if they requested it. If they wanted the Twitter account to run it and give it WA's true legacy on Twitter. But I just personally can't do it. I burned that bridge so badly when I killed off that Twitter. And I am disappointed in myself for it. And I give myself a lot of shit for it. But I do think it has an area of redemption. But I can't be running it. I just can't. It was my idea. And I did stood with it for a while. But I lost ideas along the way. I understand, man. And it's tough. But, you know, I wouldn't be. I can't. I don't even. I'm not even good at my own Twitter. So I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> Why do you think I literally do nothing on Twitter? <laughs> Twitter, Twitter's a place where I go to because I know that I'll get the best news there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can connect. You can connect with people on it. That's that's another good thing. But yeah. I know that if you if you were to give, if you were to ask me, man, could you be could could you make something big, make it big on uh, Twitter? I'd tell people, heck no. <laughs> yeah, you understand. I'm a people person. I like to talk to people in person. Yeah, I don't want to treat them as an actual brand. <laughs> no. And you that's, know that, that, that's one of the things that all promotions, all brands, all businesses are kind of shit for. I don't know any Twitter user in particular that has a reputable area of showcasing that they're not assholes. Got a good point there. WWE on Fox and AEW even very recently were just called out on recent bad timings of certain things with AEW's picture of uh, Luchasaurus talking about uh, my uh, gender is not my, not my gender. My, uh, yeah, what is it? What was Luchasaurus recently called out for? It came out of the day. I don't have a single solitary clue. I, did, I didn't even hear about that, but that's mostly because uh, there's a lot of hypocrites in this world that don't think AEW is God, and uh, you know they don't report on the AEW controversies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I really even. Didn't. People are calling out AEW more often. I think that's a very good thing. But a lot of things is WWE is literally going to Saudi Arabia, literally tomorrow, even though they're currently in Saudi Arabia. But they're still ignoring a lot of the bad that WWE still does. And AEW is still getting called out on some of its small stuff, but it's into a minimized amount, mainly because the the amount of AEW fans is pretty small. It's true, and it is small, but, you know, even the news outlets, because all the news cover these promotions. Like, the uh, the second the ACH thing happened, 
mm-hmm. it was massive news. The second mm-hmm. uh, the Fox Twitter the, the WWE on Fox Twitter said something wrong. It was everywhere. Yeah, because they're big. That's the thing. AEW is still a big league in a minor league in the big position. It makes any sense. Oh, it does. The thing is, and, uh... they AEW rightfully got called out. I believe it was for Luchasaurus saying, uh, my costume isn't your... Uh, is it your uh, your culture or something? Culture appropriation. I think that's what uh, Luchasaurus recently got called out for. It was on the same day as the CH thing. So there's a reason why that was kind of overshadowed. True. I mean, all these guys have a reason to say what they're going to say, but just learn how to keep your mouth shut. You know, uh, if you can't, if you don't, you know, you have a right to say what you need to say, okay? Especially in the ACH situation. Yeah, he had uh, his right to do what he wanted to do. But don't but push it way, over the line. Yeah, exactly. That was the main thing. That was the main thing. I mean, literally make fun of ACH for the fact that he has literally or the fact that he doesn't have a personality or the fact that with the guy in WWE right now. In Which I thing, don't get because ACH has tons of charisma. Oh, uh, definitely. It's just... he, he has a personality that could really be showcased if they wanted to do like such as an anime angle. Something that would actually be ACH because he's kind of famous for that type of thing. Yes. It's like if he ever had a combination of two characters from his favorite series like Dragon Ball and One Piece, he'd actually get a run. He could. He could have a combination of those uh, two characters, and he could actually make it look good as some type of anime fan who really doesn't know what to pick, having really big inconsistency problems. <laughs> how, how did I know that Shane Thorne was going to face Jonah Rock this week? That's good. Oh, that's a good document. I think it'll be real good. Uh, NXT is known for putting on good matches. Uh, oh, NXT like is I said, the best. Like the wrestling but, show has the wrestling show as as far as pure in ring action, NXT's been killing AEW, but AEW's yeah. putting on a better program each week. Yeah, programming. The, the, I I believe programming over wrestling in every sense of the the uh, the entire company's main goal. Like AEW's main uh, entire thing is to be the competition for WWE. That's the biggest. Yes. And well, thing- their goal is let's put on matches that are going to build to yeah. our pay per views. NXT's big deal is let's put on pay per view quality matches and caliber matches every day of the week. You know, every well, week we come on television, which is not a bad idea, but, but AEW is doing the same thing and just pulling off better segments. Mm-hmm. I believe segments also do matter in ways, such as the recent uh, thing with Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle. There is area to move on that, but they AEW is really needing to focus on one thing and one thing only, and that is the entire problem of AEW in general, and that is the constant bashing of WWE. Yes, and that's going to kill them. 
Because guess what killed? Guess what killed WCW? Taking pot shots at the WWE. It doesn't work well. It will never work well. And if AEW suddenly died, like next week even, AEW wouldn't be remembered that much as something major. It would just be just remembered as a little area of potential glimpse of the good that wrestling could be going for. Well, here's my big deal with this whole thing. And this is where WWE, if AEW continues on this trend of just bashing WWE, this is where it all becomes a bad thing. Mm -hmm. AEW continues to bash WWE on television. Mm -hmm. WWE doesn't mention AEW at all. Doesn't. And I respect them for that because they don't acknowledge something that's below them. Because Why would you acknowledge your competition? It doesn't help. Like, you don't see Walmart calling out Target or uh, no. calling out Burger King that much anymore. It's just, it should be friendly competition. And you should watch all of these things and not be judged about it. Because I think that's one of the major things of this entire wrestling community. And the fact is, you have to pick a side. If you're not on one side, you can't be on the other. And I find that's kind of fucking bullshit because I watch WWE on occasion. And I might love AEW, but I can't acknowledge there's a lot of bad of the promotion. Yes. Like, I blindly admit that promotion is perfect, mainly because that promotion is far from perfect. There's a lot of things I absolutely dislike. The use of Jimmy Havoc is definitely one of them. Like, Jimmy Havoc is a genuine personality for that promotion. But if you watch his stuff on like MLW or Progress even, you can notice that there is a definite character difference from that one little promo that he did showcasing his next upcoming match against Darby Allen. There was a promo before that match, and Darby Allen didn't feel the same, really. He was just backstage doing a talk or something, and he wasn't really in his element, if that makes sense. His element what, of causing help. What he was told when he signed with AEW was, I get to be me. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously a total shift with Jimmy Havoc. He's not the same Jimmy Havoc. No, he ain't. And the and, thing is, I I prefer Jimmy Havoc at MLW over AEW, mainly because he gets to show his personality there, even though he's kind of like a lackey to that entire group's angle. For, Promociones Dorado uh, and Selena de Arenta. Everyone loves, everyone loves Selena. When he first started there, his first couple of months in NLW were amazing. And then yeah. he became the lap dog. Yeah. But now it looks like he's still in NLW. They're still allowing him to work MLW. So uh, let's hope that this is a deal where he continues to draw himself out of that. I, and, I uh, actually even prefer MJF's work over there. I like MJF. the dynasty. Yeah, so, the dynasty is a good angle. And in my opinion, Alexander Hammerstone is – one of potentially the future of that company. Oh, Hammerstone is the future, man. I... That man is ripped to the goddamn bone. And he, he can is... talk. Yes, he can definitely talk. And he can also really work well with others. Like, I watched his recent tournament in the N1, which was a tournament for Pro Wrestling Noah. Yeah. And he did good. Even though I there was only a few matches, he worked matches with the guys such as Naomichi Marafuji, and guys like uh, Go Shiozaki. And I think that's very admirable because he was a guy 
who wasn't really showcased as a potential top guy. Even though he literally went into a tournament of literally the top guys of Pro Wrestling Noah and actually won one uh, two matches. He won his two matches in that tournament. Well, he didn't win the tournament, but he got area. He got he beat two of the top guys, Naomichi Marafuji and Go Shirazagi. He defeated them, and I think that's admirable. Even though I do think the match against uh, Go Shiozaki should have been Go Shiozaki's victory, even though it was a major focus well, on the W's week. The show. Yes, that was, but Shiozaki probably should have won that. Uh, 100%. My, my, big, my biggest deal is that you take a guy like Hammerstone, and MLW, mm-hmm. this is something they're really good about. Mm-hmm. You took a guy like Hammerstone. And you took him over to Noah. That way, first of all, he's a good worker, but this is his chance to really grow as a worker. So they're going to give him the shot to grow as a worker against some of the best in the business. And Mm -hmm. that, to me, if you're really high on somebody, Mm -hmm. that's the person you're going to send. We know you can be the future, Alexander. We know that you can be the future. but But we want you to showcase it. We want you to showcase your talent on a worldwide stage. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest promotions in all of Japan. Mm-hmm. So to please, be honest, to be honest, Pro Wrestling Noah is a better promotion than All Japan in many ways. A lot of people blindly worship All Japan, and it's very sad. You've the only reason all- they worship All Japan is because it was Baba's promotion. Yeah, and it started well, that- out of jealousy for Anoki. Yeah. Another thing is, a lot of people also blindly worship All Japan because of its supposed ring talent. I don't, I'm just going to say this right now. All Japan does have very good in ring talent. They have some of the best, even, but they are really having one major problem, and that is consistency of main eventers. If you don't know, uh, the current champion is Kento Miyahara. Yes. And he had his world title, the Triple Crown World Championship, for over a year. Now, this would not mean anything unless you actually knew about Kento Miyahara. He has had, this is his second reign as that champion for that long. With his major goal of getting into an even higher area to even hold it for going into breaking the title offenses, such as Kazuchika Okada. Good grief. Yeah, and I love All Japan. I do. It's a good promotion. It's just the predictability factor is very major for that promotion, and the yes. promotion is very hard to get through. I'm going to be blunt here. I am at least seven months behind of All Japan. It's like I haven't still watched the Champions Carnival, and I'm going to have to watch that eventually to make a list out of the top 22 workers of the year just to see who I'm going to be adding from that group. But... All Japan still has a lot of areas to improve, and they need a main event scene mainly because they don't have one. They have Kento Miyahara. They have Nayo Nomura. They have Zeus. They have other guys such as Suji or the former ace, Suwama, but Kento has literally already beaten them. And Kento recently defeated another top prospect, Jake Lee, who defeated him in a uh, tournament that All Japan recently did. And that's another thing. Kento Miyahara is in the finals of every tournament, and that just bothers me. 
how are you supposed to build people if you can't how that, that's just confusing. that's stupid to me but i got a yeah. question for you mm-hmm. uh you you know this better than i am i'm pretty sure that i know the answer to this question but uh whatever the classics between misawa uh the, the trio of misawa uh kawada and uh kobashi kobashi that was all pro wrestling noah wasn't it no, that was all all Japan. That was all Japan. Yes. The Masawa and the match that, that a lot of people talk about with Masawa and uh, Masawa and Kobashi. A lot of the matches that they end up talking about with those two are always revolved around their match in Pro Wrestling Noah that happened in two thousand three. But a lot of people ignore the fact that most of their feud happened in uh, in all Japan. Well, therein lies the issue with history right there. Because yeah. I just remember, because Masawa is like, he is notorious for having the GHC title. Mm-hmm. Actually, and, not the other way around. It's Kobashi. Kobashi held that title for uh, 700 days. Ah, uh, yes. I just remember the, the, uh, the Ring of Honor, they always, put, they always put out these free matches about every week or so they try to. And uh, one of one of their highlight bouts was Masawa versus Kenta. Mm-hmm. And it definitely wasn't Kobashi. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just Kenta. Yeah, Kobashi. Uh, not Kobashi. Uh, Ke- uh, Masawa was definitely a major top selling point in the American audiences. I've always believed that in a way because you always saw Masawa draw over uh, Kobashi. Even though Kubazu had many good matches with Joe, Masawa was always the major legend that was showcased there. Because mainly because the dude owned Pro Wrestling Noah. And he's a great Masawa, Masawa, the pillars of Japanese wrestling. Without Masawa, without Kobashi. Without Kawada. Yes, definitely without Kawada. Ta, I believe his name is. Akira Ta, I think that's the name. Toei? Yeah, Toy, yeah. He was tremendous. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you've got guys like Chono and uh, Muda and so many great wrestlers in that age. Uh, the Japanese wrestling legacy really, oh, that, there, there is no stop to that legacy because they produce great wrestlers at an alarming rate. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean... I'm- Say something, I, something that will definitely be worth your time in particular, because I know you do have a lot of interest in this. With the entire pro wrestling Noah history, from what I've noticed in this entire podcast, if you go on YouTube and search up Masawa documentary, you will see a documentary that was recently released by someone talking about the history of pro wrestling Noah and Mitsuhara Masawa. And it's a forty-minute documentary that is definitely worth your time. I will definitely recommend it for you because it is definitely worth everyone's time just to learn a little bit of history. That's kind of important. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Good. And I'm having fun with this. (laughs) Podcasts are always a lot of fun, especially when you uh, get to sit and just have good conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ultimately, that's what this is all about. You know, just good conversation. If you want to. Well, I've only got one more thing that I want to do, and that's predict Crown Jewel. 
Uh, it is it is tomorrow night. Uh, I'm pretty sure of all the results on this on these matches, but uh, might as well predict them uh, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're gonna start at the bottom of the card mm-hmm. with uh, the match nobody remembered was happening. Mansoor will be taking on Cesaro. Mm-hmm. Mansoor's picking up the victory there. Yes. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, it's his home country. Mm-hmm. He's going to beat Cesaro, and the terrible misuse of Cesaro continues. Mm-hmm. Then we have the tag team turmoil match. To prove what? the best tag team in the goddamn world, yes. The very long, the longest stipulation in the goddamn world. <laughs> and of course, the Viking Raiders are going to win this. Um I really do think so. Yeah, I see it. Uh, they're undefeated, so why would they lose? And if yeah. it's not them, then it's going to be the New Day. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, they... if Vikings Raiders do win that, where do they literally go from there? It's like they beat everyone. Who the hell do they have to face next? This is what happens. <laughs> This this is my this is my pitch to WWE. They're not going to be listening to this, but this is my pitch to WWE. Have Viking Raiders beat everybody, and then the AOP come out and the AOP dominate them. Mm-hmm. It gives them a feud. The AOP wins a match, mm-hmm. and it gives the Viking Raiders challengers. Mm-hmm. That's simple, mm-hmm. uh, but that's probably not going to happen. Uh, then we have the 20-man battle royal to determine the man challenging AJ Styles for the United States Championship. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it was pretty predictable. I watched uh, Raw Monday night. Raw Monday night, I was there live. Pretty mm-hmm. predictable. It's going to be Humberto Carrillo. Yeah, Humberto Carrillo is a very good talent. I will definitely say that he definitely has a look to him because he has that physique. Like, he has that uh, genuine good boy look, something that something like Andrade does have. Yes. But he actually looks decent. He could actually be a very good competitor for the brand. And I would love to see more of it from him. If but- his <laughs> last couple of weeks are any indication, his matches with Rollins and Styles have been very good. Yes, the dude can work. I think that's always been known, mainly because he has had very decent matches on Raw and SmackDown or wherever he is. Because I don't watch the fucking product. Yes. But I do believe Tomberto, from what I've seen of his stuff in uh, NXT and 205, there is areas of potential areas to improve. If you notice, a lot of the 205 guys, guys such as uh, Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali, really haven't gotten area to showcase that they are literally no. showcased on the dark matches. And that is that is just sad, in my opinion. Because those two are genuine good workers. But I also have to remember, that's what they are. They are good workers. They are, don't really showcase that much in terms of a personality. Well, at least Buddy Murphy doesn't, because Mustafa Ali can cut a very good promo on occasion. Yes. I think they both can. Uh, Buddy Murphy can talk a little bit too, and I think the gimmick of "Oh, I'm the best kept secret" makes so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, use it as fuel. But yeah. unfortunately, they just WWE doesn't give them. It's like start stop. They'll give them it's TV a, time for about a month, and then they'll be gone for a month, and then they'll be back. It's like 
I, I remember so many people talking about the Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns bout from a few months ago. And I loved, I liked it. I did. But the thing is, what happened after? He beat Daniel Bryan. We haven't yet. Yeah, Daniel Bryan, obviously. We haven't really seen Buddy Murphy that much because the dude was getting constantly harassed by Roman Reigns because of supposedly him attacking him. And I think that's fucking stupid. That doesn't really help that much of anything. It's just another person for Roman to spare, and boom, that's it. And Buddy Murphy goes back to the totem. He goes back to the very bottom of the group. And I think that's kind of sad, really, mainly because his entire gimmick, the best-kept secret, should honestly be based around his in-ring action. Someone who would be perfect for, I'm going to say it's going to be, this is going to sound weird, but the Intercontinental Division. You should be in the IC area because the IC is kind of known for their work rate. Uh, work rate. Well, so it's supposed to be known for work rate. Yes. It's just known as a dead title nowadays. Yeah. Who, who even holds it? Is it Shinsuke? It's Shinsuke. That's like his older IWGP Intercontinental reigns. <laughs> yeah. It's not, he's not elevating that belt at all. And uh, I know that Shinsuke, knowing Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, he's the guy who elevated the IWGP uh, Intercontinental title to being on the level of the world title, but here we are. Well, that, that has many of dozens of reasons, and I could literally go into that in another conversation. Yes. Mainly, uh, but then talk about New Japan for hours. I could literally do an entire podcast dedicated to talking about their product. Well, we'll day. have to do that. We'll have to do that at a later date. Yes. Um, so we've got. AJ Styles facing the winner. AJ Styles obviously retains the belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big news that came out today, the first ever women's match in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, uh, uh, Evans versus... Uh, Natalia, round yeah. number 744. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got Natalia. I got Lacey, to be honest. I know WWE. It's... It, they love pushing Lacey, and I understand why she has that look that the genuine Americana, but uh, I honestly don't care about the match. I get that they're making mystery, and I definitely admit that I do respect it a lot, but I'm not looking forward to that match in particular, mainly due to the crowd, because the fact that Saudi Arabia is a little bit backwards whenever it comes to this type of thing, and I really am not looking forward to all the booze that I'm going to be hearing for both women just based on the fact that they are women. And I think that's kind of bullshit, really. It really is. I'm not happy about it, but... Am I happy about happening? Yes. Yes. I'm not, I'm not happy about the people, you know. Because of their gender and their uh, social norm over there of it not being acceptable. I'm really depressed about it, but I understand what WWE is trying to do. And I, and I respect the fact that they're doing some good for that area and showcasing diversity. And I think that's very admirable. But they could have done a lot of other people, people such as Becky Lynch, Joel uh, Flair, or Sasha Banks, or a genuine made eventer, or Alexa Bliss even. But uh, people like, uh, not, not people, uh, Natalia and uh, Lacey Evans, while good workers, well, Lacey has, Lacey has is not known for being the best worker, but Natalia could give a piece of match. And it's probably going to be one of the more forgettable matches on the card, but I think the match will be deserved to talk about 
for years to come, especially in killing the entire argument of New Japan in a women's division. Because be that is where it all started. To me, uh, not not every wrestling promotion in the world needs a women's division. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, uh, I do too. I believe like promotions such as something based around Joshi or something in Japan, I believe the genders should be kept separate, mainly because it gives an area of potential to give more booking towards them. If you notice something, uh, you don't see that many women's and men's promotions in Japan. You only see maybe stardom. That's wrong. DDT. I think DDT is literally the only promotion that showcases that type of thing. And that promotion is for everyone. It is for men. It is for women. And it's out there. And it's comedy. And people enjoy that. But you don't... DDT is hilarious. Yeah, but, um, it works in that kind of environment. Yes, it works in that kind of environment. But you also have to realize something. DDT is one of the most successful promotions in Japan. And There's good reason for that. Yes, in, in terms of financials, they're number two. They're number two right now. They have the crowds. They're getting the crowds. They have the subscription service. They're getting what they want. And a lot of it is due to their drawing power. They do have a drawing power, and they do have a love for comedy that Japan is kind of famous for. Comedy is important, and the thing is, a lot of people don't even acknowledge comedy that much in wrestling and treat it as second to nothing. And a I think good that, comedy match is a great match. Yes. A comedy, there are some people that can genuinely work comedy. Guys like Cole Cabana, guys uh, like Kikutaro, I believe his name is. Kikutaro. Yeah. And then there's guys such as Joey Ryan that I don't really see much of a drawing to him, but I do see that he is a genuine good worker. But as you we mentioned, this entire argument of the new uh, women in uh, women and men intermingling, I do believe they should always be kept separate. And I even think this way, even with men's promotions, even or not men's promotions, uh, American promotions. I believe they should be kept separate in ability to try and give more ability to focus on other divisions. It's like if WWE literally, like literally tomorrow said, oh, we're going to be doing a women's division and it's going to be called uh, Evolution. That was an unoriginal name. But if they ever did a weekly show called Evolution, it would not do well based on around the fact that it's new. It, is, it, it would showcase a lot of the same stars on their women's division, but they're already holding titles. Like, Vince Russo did something in 2000 WCW and stripped all the titles. I honestly think that type of idea could work for a women's division, and it could actually rejuvenate other stories to make other stories even. To get yeah. a new area of play to really scrap around to see what they could do. Well, maybe not even just that, but I just think that, uh, say, when you did the brand split, mm-hmm. you you split all the titles too. Yeah, I believe yeah. the titles should honestly be randomized, at least in my opinion. I think they should. I think when the brand split sharp, uh, when the when the brand split comes about, the draft comes about every year. Um, at least the first time around with with, with this past draft, 
you should have stripped all the belts mm-hmm. and crowned new champions as yeah. that came along. It's what should have happened, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here we are. But uh, then we've got uh, Team Hogan versus Team Flair. I honestly could not care a single shit about it. Because they like Flair that much. Well, you know the team. You know the team with the guy who just happens to be, uh, just happens to look like an Arab, is going to win the match. That being the uh, team with Ali on it, and that's going to be Team Hogan. The one thing uh, I really love about that match, though, is Ali has literally said that after his match, he's donating all of that money to a relief fund. <laughs> and it's how it should be. Yes. It really um, should be. It's blood money going to a good cause. Yeah. Um, then you got Braun Strowman, Tyson Fury, who gives a darn uh, Tyson I Fury. I do not care about Tyson Fury, mainly due to the fact that I've heard a lot of shady shit about Tyson Fury. I have heard the fact that he has a I know the fact that he is known for yes well he's a he's the gypsy king he's the uh, Conor McGregor of boxing oh that's so that's why uh, that's why that's a thing Mm -hmm. Uh, so he's probably going to win Brock Lesnar Cain Velasquez I see I see Brock uh, I I need Cain Velasquez to win this match so I can be happy again. <laughs> the thing is, I honestly don't mind Brock Lesnar as a champion, mainly because of the fact that I'm completely numb by wrestling decisions. It's actually a very another story, but I am completely numb to wrestling decisions whenever it comes to WWE. I have lost that much faith in the company that I honestly don't care who wins or who loses anymore. And I know how sad that is. It's just, it doesn't interest me. Like, this feud that's going on right now between those two doesn't really do anything for me. It's like, I know that there is a feud from years ago in the UFC that was with those, but that was the UFC. This is real life. It's not like, not real life, this is more wrestling. But I do believe that wrestling and UFC should always be kept separate. And you shouldn't really promote yourself as beating high top guys from other uh, sports when it's a little scripted sport. I don't think so either. Uh, and I think that's it's just if Lesnar wins, uh, then no other professional wrestler on the planet should be beating him. Yeah. And you're just, as- you're just asking for problems. Yes. Um, Here's the thing with me. They, they recently... It, not WWE, but another company was doing something very similar to this. Impact Wrestling was right now uh, was doing a feud between Ken Shamrock and Moose. Those two faced off at Bound for Glory, and with the main entire basis being Moose was facing former MMA fighters handily, with a major big head over beating MMA fighters. And I think that's kind of stupid, mainly because the fact that wrestling is scripted. And it, the fact is you're going to kill a lot of uh, legitimacy towards those competitors. Yes, I completely agree with that, too. And unfortunately, Cain Velasquez wanted this, so he got it. And that's Cain Velasquez because he can actually work. He can actually yes. work. He did work with Triple A. 
Okay, and Velasquez he, is fine, but uh, I just don't think if he had any dream of going back to the MMA, mm-hmm. this is not how he needed to do it. Yeah. MMA um, is losing uh, more popularity by the day. So, Well, don't have Conor McGregor no more. So, uh, you know. Conor McGregor, um, they don't have Rousey. They don't have... All the star uh, power's gone. They don't have a Lesnar. All of the top draws are gone. They don't have Bisping. John Jones keeps getting suspended. There's no Tito Ortiz. There's no Rampage Jackson. There's the no Chuck Liddell. Could be a good draw for that, by the way. Is I have heard from. Okay. All right. We're back. <laughs> is two hours literally the limit for it? Yes. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> that is literally amazing to me. Hey, you're good. You you continue on your uh you continue saying what you were saying. Yeah, I was gonna say Diaz are tough draw at the moment. I think for just the fact that he has a personality. I, I like, like Nate Diaz, I do. Yeah. Brother good too. They both have a ability and charisma that can be more known. If you've seen a lot of people, say, UFC is promotion, but there's also entertainment that entire area. There is entertainment. You don't see it that much. They're promos. They do wrestling is known for, but are always bashing wrestling for it. I think that's kind of stupid. It is stupid. MMA fans but, are very fickle. I do believe that heavily, but I do believe that there are some good MMA fans, but they're not many. No, no. Male MMA fans fans are uh, toxic in a very bad way. Everybody, <laughs> um, male MMA fans. <laughs> the, the, I am not. Uh, uh, there, are, there, there are good. There are good men. We watch MMA, uh, one being uh, our good friend Prince, a good guy. He's an MMA fan. There's a ton of MMA guys on Wrestling Amino, but they also watch professional wrestling to go along with MMA. Guys like uh, Nick. Yes. Uh, Nick is the people that don't Nick. like wrestling. Yeah, just going to say, Nick could be the undisputed future of Wrestling Amino. I could just say that now. I do believe Nick is the future of the app. Either him or you, to be honest. Him or you? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. No, him, you, or Tool. Those three. <laughs> Actually, I think Tool is more of the now, really. Well, Tool and I, we got that friendship going, so we'll see how that goes. We'll see We'll see the future hopefully come alive. Mm-hmm. But uh, this last match here, we discussed in detail uh, the Fiend versus Seth Rollins. I see. I see Seth winning. I do too, and it's going to make me cry. Uh, I won't feel anything. I do not want the feed to lose, mm-hmm. uh, but it's going to happen. I'm going to just have to deal with that. But uh, that was Crown Jewel, folks. Don't watch. <laughs> don't watch. <laughs> and and if if you do watch, yeah, we're instead. Be a good child. Don't watch. Go go like, for like it, please. <laughs> Like it never happened. Like it never happened. You know, this show never happened. It's a live event. It never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just enjoy your Halloween tomorrow. But uh, with that being said, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast tonight, man. I had a real good time talking with you. 
yeah, it was a very good podcast. I I thought I was screwing up a lot in this podcast, just talking normally, but I did get a lot of things I wanted to talk about. I would have loved to talk about wrestling media even more. Maybe next time we do this podcast that we focus the entire concept in talking about wrestling media and how we can improve and all that type of thing. Oh, for certain. That would be a very good wrong point. You know, a guy like me, a guy like DJ, a guy like Tool, like a four guys talking about the future of wrestling, you know, because that's important. It's like four guys that are known for that type of thing. And I know uh, DJ has a good microphone. I know that you have a fantastic microphone, even though I don't know how. I know Tool even has a decent microphone, and I would really like to get all four of us on a podcast to talk about this app's future, as such as like a, a debate or something, because I would absolutely love that. Oh, yeah, and I think that's a fantastic idea. It's just finding the time where all four of us are free to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think that's the perfect way to uh, end off the podcast, guys. So until next time, I don't know when the next one's coming, kind of free-forming it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, but uh, uh, expect uh, a very special guest to all of us. Uh, come come around next time. Uh, you may uh, many know him as Robert Martyr, but uh, a lot of us here on Wrestling Amino know him as Omnom Roots. So uh, just uh, expect expect him in the very near future, guys. So until next time, see you later. See you later.